Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Kenneth Kimball, and I'm here today to talk about uh, the secret behind the blockchain technology. Uh, just a little bit of background on myself. I've uh, worked within uh, several different uh, cybersecurity roles and uh, application development roles throughout my career. And I've also uh, had an educational experience in both cybersecurity risk management and um, a law degree from the uh, University of Indiana. Uh, this, the purpose of this presentation today is gonna be to kind of walk you through um, what makes blockchain uh, important moving forward. Uh, some, some things I'll cover today are gonna be simply what is the blockchain, hashing and proof of work, what happens during a transaction, and Bitcoin in the case for a global currency. Now, um, this is kind of uh, set up to be sort of an introductory, introductory uh, level presentation, uh, but uh, I would be willing to do more advanced ones in the future um, if that's something that uh, the users would want of this community. Um, but the, my main points today is to A, number one, get you excited about blockchain technology, uh, kind of show you guys some of the benefits that can come from using blockchain technology and why it's uh, why is it sticking around a lot of people thought um, it would kind of be a, a short run uh, uh, blip uh, but actually it's been it's because the technology behind uh, stuff like Bitcoin is so solid uh, it's going to be around for a while uh, and some important distinctions just right off the start is uh, first of all uh, some people associate blockchain with with like Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies that's not necessarily the case uh, blockchain uh, itself is used to um, undergird or support um, cryptocurrencies because it uses mathematics and algorithms and hashing and private keys and public keys to basically take out the middlemen from uh, financial industry um, currently. And uh, from the legal perspective, currently blockchain technology has very little regulation. And as a lawyer, uh, something I'm definitely interested in moving forward is exactly how um, all the countries are going to come together and regulate uh, this technology and hopefully they don't take away some of the, the reasons people right now love to use this technology. So the first uh, section that we're going to jump into is what is the blockchain. Now I'm sure most of you probably already have an idea of what the blockchain is. Uh, some of you might be really advanced in this subject matter. Others may um, need kind of a building block approach. And that's kind of what I'm going to provide in this first presentation. I'm going to be talking about the basics. And we're going to basically, I'm going to give you guys enough to understand and explain to coworkers, family, how this works and get them excited about it. And also, this presentation is going to give you guys questions. So, of course, if you guys have questions after this presentation, uh, always feel free to email me. 
I know some of you on LinkedIn, I've been talking with you guys. It's been really uh, exciting to bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, always feel free to message me, add me to LinkedIn, whatever you wish. Um, I'm always happy to do that sort of thing. So let's hop in. Uh, the definition of blockchain. So the blockchain is an appendable, immutable, universally distributed open ledger. So that's kind of a mouthful, uh, but let's just go into each of those keywords there. So we have immutable. So basically what that means is you can't delete anything from the ledger. So, so a ledger is kind of a um, sort of an accounting sort of concept, I'm sure as many of you guys know in the banking industry. Uh, and basically what it means is, as you can see on this bottom bullet point here, open ledger is the place where all transactions are recorded. So there's a lot of value in not being able to delete anything from an open ledger. Because uh, if you could, then the integrity of that open ledger is then put into question. But, but in addition to not being able to delete anything from the ledger, it has the quality of you can being being able to add things to the ledger. So it's app endable. So that means you can continually add more blocks to the chain or the more blocks to the blockchain. And and that's that's really crucial because it both provides security by being immutable and it also provides uh, opportunities for growth, as you can imagine, being able to add without the ability to add uh, transactions to the ledger there would be actually very little uh, use for blockchain technology. Uh, and then finally, we have the universally distributed. So everyone has uh, access to the same exact copy of the ledger. So that's important. So thinking about that for a second, that would be basically like everyone being able to, currently we all use debit cards and cash and that sort of thing. And we have our ATM card and we go to the, the ATM and we slide our card in there and it would basically be like everyone being able to open up their phone and saying when you make a transaction uh, and simultaneously updating the ledger so you want to buy a coffee for one one dollar or one euro um, and you basically pay digitally the the cashier and from that uh, payment Imagine everyone just being able to open up their phone, iPad, et cetera, and just being able to mark down in their little personal ledger one coin switch from, from A to B. So the gas station attendant got one coin and the person buying it lost one coin. And everyone updates that exactly at the same time. That's what blockchain technology does. So that's why, that's part of the reason it's very exciting right now is it, it it doesn't quite uh, doesn't quite work when you don't have something uh, like blockchain technology underla underlaying that sort of theory, because then you have people who would not be there for the transaction, wouldn't have time to note it down. But but the benefit of blockchain is everyone within this uh, system all knows what's going on at all times. So they they all have that universally distributed ledger. So these four terms here are very important to understand since these are really pretty much the some of the more foundational concepts of blockchain. And so if there's one key slide you want to kind of uh, 
think about in this presentation, this one's really important because this is a very concise definition and there's a lot being said. So let's do another example just to kind of get everyone um, on the same page. So let's say there's four people in a coffee shop and they all have a blockchain technology. Let's say it's like a Bitcoin or something like that. So within that uh, coffee shop, uh, applying this past, um, these, this past definition we just talked about, we have four people. Let's say they're all the only ones on this blockchain. And, and there's uh, one person buying a coffee, as we just used. Um, you can see the benefit in being able to, without paying cash, so right now what people would do is pay cash. The other four people sitting on the seats wouldn't do anything. They would just say, okay, he paid cash. And there would be no way to track that transaction. Uh, what blockchain does, especially within the realm of crypto, but not only within the realm of crypto, this has many uses. Any, you can imagine any um, situation where you would want to track things so blockchain was initially uh developed as a way to retrieve documents and they basically use the hash which we'll get into a little later to ensure that once people once they receive documents and time stamped them the documents weren't um tampered with after that point so basically any situation where you want to ensure that no one's tampering with the data is where blockchain is going to come in and that technology is going to be applied to Right now, there's a lot of software companies developing technology, and, and that's where, uh, in the future, it's going to really take off. And that's why it's important that I'm happy everyone's here today to kind of get a foundational uh, under uh, uh, foundation in blockchain before it starts to kind of uh, explode, as it already has been, especially um, you can't watch the news anymore with someone talking about uh, Bitcoin. Like the last month it was at 16,000 and of course it dropped now to 10,000 and people are very concerned about that aspect of it. Um, so back to this example. So when someone pays uh, instead of, so when someone pays with cash, the $1 handed over, they get one cup of coffee. Nothing really happens. It's a trust system. Uh, however, with, as we've already used this example, by paying with a Bitcoin instead, it's digital. And imagine all four people in that coffee shop, once you buy, say, I wanna buy a coffee, uh, and the, the barista takes one Bitcoin, and everyone opens up their ledger and basically updates that transaction. So everybody's on the same page. By having um, a technology that can enable this sort of tracking of funds, it creates a much lower possibility that people will be exploited. And that, I think, is really going to be one of the more... So a lot of people ask, why is there value? I mean, this is just a imaginary currency. And uh, part of the value is the security that it provides. Because you don't, you're not going to run the risk of getting exploited. Because as we're going to kind of go more in depth in the next couple of slides, you're going to have a lot of safeguards in place and protection on both sides of the transaction that are going to be very crucial. So we have the public and private key. So this is, oh, sorry about that. Let me shut those off. 
So this is basically the private key is kept uh, private and and no one will ever determine your public key. So what does this mean? So let's think about it. I'm sure you guys probably have a decent understanding of this, but uh, basically a private key is used to derive the public key. So you should never share your private key because if you share your private key, that could allow some very bad things to happen with, especially within a blockchain, uh, but also with email encryption, any sort of situation where you have a private key, you do never wanna share that. Um, the private key, of course, is the longer of the two keys, and it's used to generate a signature for each block, blockchain transaction. Uh, so it, the signature is important because it confirms that both a transaction uh, has come from the right user, and second, uh, it prevents uh, the transaction being altered or the block or the key being altered once issued. So there's a safeguard in using this combination of public and private key within the blockchain. And it, essentially what you want to remember is the private key is used um, to mathematically derive the, the public key, which is then transformed into a hash function to basically produce an address that people can see and interact with. However, what, what's really important that you recognize is this, this public key that's created is a one-way hash essentially. Uh, you can basically be pretty uh, sure that no one's ever going to be able to reverse engineer the public key and derive the private key. Of course, we could do a whole nother presentation on quantum computing and, and probably uh, come to some conclusions about maybe eventually this might not be true. But right now, it would take approximately like a billion years with all the computing power to uh, reverse a one-way hash uh, SHA-256 encryption, for example, which we'll describe in just a minute. So blockchain technology, uh, it provides a lot of security. So you get a lot of security from the fact, as we talked about before, the ledger is ongoing. So think back to the coffee shop example. That ledger is always ongoing. So let's say, for example, after that transaction occurs, the coffee shop owner later that night decides, um, actually, I think that uh, coffee should have been $2. If he updates the cost of the coffee, the hash will change. And if the hash changes on the block that was used to basically as the transaction point for that cup of coffee, everyone's uh, ledger will show that as an invalidated basically transaction because the hash would no longer match what everyone validated uh, during the first transaction. So that's very important from a, from a security standpoint. Um, also, when something goes wrong like that, um, nothing happens since, uh, since the ledger, as we said, basically keeps, uh, ensures that all transactions are gonna be valid. So if someone tries to change, um, so let's say we have a big long blockchain with tons of transactions that were all validated and someone wants to change uh, the coffee shop one that's like no, block 100,000 out of 100,000. Uh, if he changes that after it's been basically provided on the, the ledger and also we have hash uh, functions that must be, they match. So each uh, hash function on the next block uh, has some component of the hash from the previous, previous block, uh, which we'll get more in depth with uh, later in this presentation. 
But essentially, uh, um, because of this sort of security that each block references the block after, after it, you have this security um, from the fact that uh, once uh, someone would edit something like uh, how much you paid for a cup of coffee, the hash on the block would completely change and it would basically invalidate that block that was changed moving forward. So from that point on, you would basically have complete, uh, you wouldn't have to worry about people after the fact changing the ledger once the ledger has already been accepted and transactions have happened past that point. So why do we need blockchain technology? This is kind of the next question. I'm sure a lot of you guys um, that are interested in this technology know coming in that it's it's gonna, maybe through your work, I, I think I looked and saw some people from the financial industry, that's gonna be huge. Also things like uh, software development, change control management, because think about it, uh, for change control, if you apply a, a blockchain technology, you can basically tell which users, if you set it up properly, are making what changes to your software. So then when something goes wrong, instead of having to guess, oh, who, uh, we have 60 developers, which developer made a mistake? Instead of having to guess that, you can just know. And that's, that's where you start to see uh, the benefit of blockchain technology. Also, we see things like voting. So Estonia, since 2004, have used, has used blockchain technology for voting. Uh, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So think about moving, a, moving to a blockchain uh, voting math system. Now remember the foundational principle of blockchain is that you have that open ledger. So uh, it, it's nice um, in democratic situations to be able to move to a system where everyone has access to that open ledger and people can check to see if people are tampering with votes and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think in the future, we're gonna see a lot of countries moving to uh, blockchain for voting, except it, it just has to be done right. I think that's, I think in my order of uh, scariness, if you didn't implement blockchain correctly, voting would probably be number one, currency would be number two. And then we have things like in, this, in the United States, we're talking about doing food stamps and stuff like that in blockchain. I like that idea uh, just because it has a low risk uh, threshold. Uh, but we'll see uh, how, how that kind of goes, how that kind of picks up in the future. Also, something important to recognize, I mean, as all of, we, uh, as all of us have kind of experienced, uh, security breaches are now kind of commonplace. Uh, we can't uh, rely on necessarily all of our transactions being um, carried out in a protected way. So because of this, uh, blockchain technology with its additional layers of security provide some really great uh, safeguards that can help consumers and will probably uh, start impacting all aspects of our financial, uh, our financial kind of existence. I think as, as uh, the technology kind of becomes more commonplace, we'll see a lot of transactions being backed by the blockchain technology simply because it just adds that extra layer of security. Essentially, what this means is you can trust um, people using blockchain uh, without even knowing them. Like in the coffee shop example, you can trust the coffee shop guy is going to charge you a dollar because once you agree on a dollar, 
he can't later on go and change that. So it provides that extra level of uh, trust, or in, a, in another way of saying it is block, blockchain is basically trustless since the math behind it is, is accepted and, and pretty well accepted. So blockchain is decentralized. So what this kind of means is uh, it's not one person running blockchain. It's, it's a peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, anyone can um, act as a node and they can join the join the peer-to-peer -peer network as a node. And this is important because this gives them access to the open ledger and it also ensures that um, people don't have uh, enhanced bargaining, uh, bargaining power over others. So it, it, it does provide more equity to people just because they're all on a level playing field, essentially. Now, when, when um, blockchain gets regulated, eventually, I know in the United States, there's been a lot of talk about this happening. Um, this is going to be the main question. Is it going to give people more bargaining power over blockchain technology and fundamentally change the way it works? And that's, that's still yet to be seen. I, I would like to think that um, blockchain technology could be regulated without especially cryptocurrencies specifically. There's all sorts of tax issues right now with, with cryptocurrencies. Is it property? Is it, is it currency? And that, that will probably be the first, um, the first uh, aspect that kind of falls into place. And then I would expect regulatory frameworks for blockchain to be probably implemented by NIST or someone like that. Um, but India has adopted blockchain technology, and especially for cryptocurrency, since um, a lot of their currencies right now are uh, more stable with blockchain technology, and all that is necessary uh, to really participate on this open ledger, peer-to-peer -peer network is just a cell phone at this point. So that's part of the excitement behind blockchain, since it, it basically uh, provides opportunity to uh, for an equal playing field for all and all all that is required is a cell phone. I know that's uh, Not necessarily a given uh, but it's it's less than uh, It's less than some other uh, barriers to entry in some financial uh, financially in some countries and I think it will work well for India Because they can ensure that there's no corruption within their system uh, interesting uh, applications of blockchain technology. Uh, so we have uh, the decentralized internet. So if basically we decided to use blockchain and decentralize the internet, uh, potentially you could ex export things like processing speed and storage across the globe. Uh, so like say if uh, someone in Africa doesn't have access to, uh, if they don't have access to high speed internet and they don't have a Google Drive for their cloud, or they don't have service there, potentially with blockchain technology being decentralized, you could do a smart contract, uh, which we'll talk about uh, in just a couple seconds, and provide some processing speed to the, this um, person in a third world country, or even provide storage in, in a cloud sort of way to them. And that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, so basically, people could eventually become their own service for providers in a way. Um, 
also, you can fund, uh, right now it's being used, uh, there's a couple, Bitcoin has capability for smart contracts, but essentially there's this, you can fund uh, farmers in developing countries without um, necessarily being a bank and charging a high interest rate because uh, you don't have all the overhead that a bank has. So uh, basically what a, what a uh, smart contract is, is imagine Kickstarter without a third party. So what Kickstarter does is uh, we have this really good invention. It, it needs $500. If it doesn't get to $500, then uh, all the money goes back to whoever uh, put money into the, the, the bank or the funding uh, arrangement. So you can imagine if a farmer from an impoverished country needs $50 and they basically provide a smart contract on the market at like a very small interest rate uh, and everyone basically had the option to just give a dollar, give $50 if they want. Once the contract's fulfilled, it will give them the funds and then they can pay it back with interest and it can track that, which is exciting. And also another benefit of that is um, you, you don't have the middleman there. So they don't have to necessarily get the, in developing countries, sometimes they face insane interest rates since the funds that they borrow are so small. And by decentralizing that, it um, lowers uh, the cost to operate and it removes banks from the equation. Uh, so so the, de the fact that it's decentralized and peer-to-peer um, really is important in um, all these benefits that I'm explaining here. And then we also have democracy via public ledger. Um, I don't know if anyone from France is here, uh, but the last election um, really scared them. Um, I don't have time to go into the specifics of this project, but if anyone is interested in this, so France is basically moving their democracy into a blockchain um, and they're using the, it's called the ARC project, A-R-C project. Um, and essentially they're trying to put, make everything more open and by doing that, um, protect democracy better because their last election concerned them uh, with voting integrity and they've decided to make the move. So a lot of countries right now are watching them. I know Estonia, as I mentioned, started in 2004, um, but France is a very large country. So I would expect if this goes well for France, that same model uh, that France is doing in conjunction with the ARC project is gonna be mirrored in a lot of countries across the globe. And this is gonna, in the US, we had all the talk about the Russian um, influence and that sort of thing. Basically what it could do in the future using blockchain in a democracy is basically provide an open ledger and let people look for themselves and see if there was tampering or not. And this would basically provide a lot more security within the system. So now we're gonna get into the hashing and proof of work. So questions to think about during this question, uh, section or just questions you kind of in general that people probably have is how do I know my information safe? How do I know no one can go into the blockchain and edit transaction data? And how do I know that no one can get into the ledger after a transaction to either falsify accounts or void, or void smart contracts? I've already talked about the third one a little bit. It involves hashing, but I'll try to get a little more in depth on that one. 
of course, all of these sections could use their own presentation that gets more in, in depth with each of these subjects. This is kind of meant to be a jumping off point, so to speak. So the encryption uh, that is commonly used with blockchain technology is SHA-256. So it's, it is probably the, it's, it's not probably, it is the most popular encryption today and often associated with blockchain technology. It was first developed by the NSA, which is a United States agency, national security agency in the United States, to ensure that codes were completely unique. SHA is uh, valuables since each hash function produces a unique output when uh, given different inputs. So just some basic uh, facts about the SHA-256. It's, it's called 256 since it's a 256-bit encryption, which is 32 bytes. And it produces a 64 alphanumeric character long string every single time so you could put your um you could put two words like uh, someone made me a sandwich or i went to the park if you after this presentation you could go online and just type in sha256 generator and you can type in phrases or you know what you could take the whole source code from your mac os or your um, pc and put it in this and it would generate a 64 uh, character long string every single time that's alphanumeric and it's distinct. So if you switch one character, even capitalize, lowercase, every single character switches in that function. So here's a couple examples of what I'm talking about. So in this example, the first one I do is ABC and the A is capitalized and you see this 64-bit hash that is produced. It's the 06D one. And then just simply by changing A, B, C to capitalize the B instead of the A, the entire hash changes. So it's also important to note though, if you go to a um, hash, uh, so if you went and typed the same exact uh, A, B, C into an SHA-256 generator, you'll never get a different hash than the hashes you see below. So that's very important. And this is uh, what's going on with your private key. It's also, it's, it's, it's very foundational. You have to trust that um, this is a one-way hash. So it's very, very, very hard to reverse this hash and get ABC from this hash because it, each change will basically create an entirely new string. Even though the, the letters necessarily aren't changing, the capital, capitalization basically uh, makes these almost impossible to to reverse. So the hash function, so basically, simply put, what a hash function is, is something that will make, uh, that will take an input and based on, on what that input is, produce an output. So a, mash, uh, a hash basically makes this more complicated. So what you saw above was the input, ABC, and then the output, which was a hash. So you can kind of picture that as the, as the function in this situation. And it, it basically a hash makes things complicated. So think about um, if you eat an omelet mixed with all sorts of good stuff, and then at the very end, um, someone asks you, uh, let's, let's reverse this omelet. Let's make this omelet back into all of the things it started with. So can you put a 
uh, the eggs back into the shell and make everything uh, just as it was before you got the omelet? Maybe, but it will be very hard and it will probably take pretty close to a billion years to do. So that's that's the important thing to remember. So to reverse a hash with SHA-256, with all the world's computing power right now, um, it's, it's estimated that it would take about a billion years. So this is important. Um, so why is this important? So the hash function protects your identity. Your hash is your private and your public key. It identifies you uniquely and maintains privacy. Transactions on the, the blockchain can be thought of as two 64 long string hashes communicating with each other and, and basically allowing transactions to happen without um, a lot of interference. Can the SHA be deciphered? Yes, but with all the computing power in the world, it would take around a billion years. So this is very important. Applied to cryptocurrency, um, what this basically does is um, exchanges today that deal in cryptocurrencies do the following. They hash your information and provide you with a public and private key. In addition, the exchanges also require you to produce a secret passphrase. Now, this is the only way to access your account, and if you lose it, it can't be recovered, because remember, SHA-256, it will take over a billion years to do that. So, this is a very uh, important feature of blockchain, since it, it basically ensures a secure, uh, anonymous uh, market uh, when used properly. So, at this point, I mean, if you do not uh, trust blockchain, uh, to trust blockchain, you absolutely have to believe that the hashing is uh, working. Uh, so just think about it this way. So when it, so the hash created for each user is unique to the user, correct? So in, in this situation, if you don't believe that that is a true statement, you probably won't trust blockchain technology because you have to understand it changes the second that ha any, any character within that is manipulated. And each new block mined references the hash of the previous block. So once a transaction occurs, if someone tampers with it in any way, it basically invalidates from that tampering onward. And basically long chain validation happens, which we'll talk about in a couple seconds. Um, and once a computer recognizes the difference, it's invalidated. The proof of work concept uh, does a couple things that are important. First, uh, companies like Bitcoin slow down the transaction rate. So right now, I believe it's around 10 minutes per transaction. And this basically ensures that uh, everything within this is being done in a truthful manner and it's not susceptible to some sort of complex attack where they basically change the hashes of a bunch of blocks at a time. Um, and as I've said, when one person tampers with a block, basically what the public ledger does is draws a line. You can imagine them uh, drawing a line and essentially finding the longest validated string and then only using that. So the longest chain, once something's tampered with, becomes the new blockchain. It drops everything that can't be validated and it continues operating as is. And what this is called is a fork. So if you guys want to research this more, once something's tampered with, a fork occurs and basically cuts the blockchain in two. So what happens during a transaction exactly? Um, 
So basically, they're tracked through nodes on the network. Um, and, and, and that's kind of confusing. But basically, what a node is, it's just people with access to the open ledger. So once a trans transaction is initiated, the entire blockchain community updates their ledger as we've smashed this in your guys' head a lot because it's very important. It's all updated through a publicly available ledger to reflect new totals after transactions. This basically ensures that everyone can verify transactions and nonce values ensure that each transaction is distinguishable. We'll get into nonce values in just a second. They're very interesting. So what is a nonce value? So a nonce value is a number that is arbitrary. It's an arbitrary number that can only be used once. And it must be generated with enough random bits to make duplication extremely unlikely. And this is used to give each transaction originality. So this nonce value basically combines with your hash that we talked about before. That's very hard to encrypt. And both are kind of combined on the blockchain to basically give each block a guaranteed unique value. Now, the nonce value does work to prove that you did the work to mine the specific block within the blockchain because it's unique to that specific block. Um, and this is where a lot of the processing associated with blockchain takes place. You've heard people buying graphics cards and that sort of thing to basically mine for Bitcoin. This is what they're processing. The graphics cards right now that are in short supply and it's because people are basically using all of the power to create these nonce values since they're very, 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 very complex. So they have a lot of zeros behind them. And, and it's basically a math problem that needs to be solved to create each non nonce value. So this is, you can impress your friends and say, drop the nonce value uh, term. And essentially it's, it's just, uh, it's used to create to ensure that each block is unique because you could imagine if some of the values duplicated and then it combined with your public private hash, uh, you would run into some serious issues because then you couldn't be sure that each block is completely, completely unique and you couldn't track transactions as well. So you have your nonce value plus your hash equals the next block in your blockchain. The, the value of a nonce value within a transaction on the blockchain, um, basically, a nonce value allows you to prove that a transaction happened on the blockchain. And this cannot be done with conventional currency. Remember back to the coffee shop example, you exchange a dollar. You can't ensure uh, that that happened only one time. But if we think to the blockchain, um, in that coffee shop example, everyone would have updated their ledger. But also within that updated ledger, we would have had uh, a nonce value associated with that transaction, basically ensuring that this dollar was from this block in the blockchain, which definitely adds some value to blockchain technology in general for its uh, ledger capabilities and its accessibility to everyone. So as we talked about with smart contracts, um, basically what you want to think about when you see the word smart contract with blockchain is Kickstarter. I don't know if, um, uh, those joining from European countries, I'm not sure if Kickstarter is something you guys talk about in America. We talk about it quite a bit. So basically, they fund cool things. Uh, if they get up to, say, $50, everyone gets the things they invest in. If they don't get up to $50, everyone gets their money back. And basically, that's what a smart contract is. So the parameters can be set that are required for a transaction to occur. And if 
a malicious actor tries to change the hash values or do something that in that sort of uh, capacity, basically what happens is a fork happens. Since the hash values, as soon as, remember, as soon as someone changes information within a blockchain, uh, within a block, after it's basically been established on the, op on the ledger, um, it will change the entire hash. Remember with the ABC example, if you capitalize one letter or change one letter within that transaction, it completely, um, it makes uh, the situation essentially uh, very suspicious and basically it breaks the blockchain. So the person who maliciously edit edited the blockchain would find themselves with a blockchain of essentially two. They would have the the block they just maliciously edited and the block before it. And, and then the proper blockchain using long chain validation, all the people with nodes uh, that are reviewing the open ledger would see, oh wait, that one is tampered with because the hash doesn't match the one before it. So that way we kick that one off this, this um, long chain and we only have things on the long chain that have hashes that match. The, exam, the advantage of blockchain uh, transactions is the proof of work concept when combined with the nonce values and SHA-256 hashes provide an incredible amount of security. It helps ensure that only the best and most confirmed version of the, block, of the given blockchain is in use. As we said, once someone tampers with it, once it's on the open ledger, once it's a confirmed block within the blockchain, a fork occurs. It's no longer part of the blockchain and long chain of val validation will basically find that the hashes don't match and kick the block out. Uh, this quali quality ensures everyone uh, participating on the uh, blockchain has the same ledger. They don't have ledgers with um, hashes that don't match up. And as I said, manipulated transactions are immediately invalidated. So now we'll get into uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin and the case for the global currency. So. I'm sure a lot of you guys might uh, might have gained your first initial interest through uh, Bitcoin. And uh, basically, Bitcoin was developed in 2009. Uh, it hit its first peak in 2013. And then it recently started climbing again in 2016. It reached as high as, I believe, $16,000. It could have been higher. And recently, it's experienced a bit of a drop to around 10000 I believe, is where it's at now. Haven't checked it uh, recently. Uh, what is Bitcoin? It's a currency because what's a currency? It's anything that can be exchanged for goods and services. So uh, people accept Bitcoin for goods and services because it has a cash value now. So as soon as people want to um, participate in a, in a market that has a new type of coin, it becomes a currency because uh, it's accepted and and it's available. There's availability to spend your Bitcoin in new places. Sure, it's not as quite as high as like the dollar or the euro, but uh, it's also very important to kind of note that when thinking about these car uh, crypto uh, currencies, that they really are essentially a form of of that. Like uh, it can be exchanged for goods and services. So that's what kind of makes it. That's what gives it value. If it couldn't be exchanged for goods and services, it would essentially have no value. So one of the first uses of Bitcoin was Silk Road, which was a kind of a drug front um, on the dark web. Um, and, and Bitcoin was attractive uh, as currency uh, because 
uh, it only displayed users' private or public keys, um, which basically allowed uh, users they could send value at anonymously and. And, and the fact that you could send uh, values anonymously through Bitcoin uh, using your public, not private key, that's a typo there, um, is, is crucial because for a short period of time, Silk Road flourished because people weren't concerned about um, potentially getting, you know, identifying themselves. And eventually it, it kind of clamped down on it and it kind of ended the, the reign of, of Silk Road. So there's a couple issues today with Bitcoin. Uh, the the processing power required to mine Bitcoin has increased drastically since its inception, and because of this, node operators, payment processors, and miners have gained the ability to categorize transactions and monetize it. This creates an inefficiency because uh, so many people want Bitcoin, uh, want to use Bitcoin. Miners can now ask for high fees and average. And, and average fees for getting a transaction across the network in a timely manner. And, and the problem with getting um, the costs increasing for getting transactions across the network in a timely manner is um, it creates an inefficient market uh, because it creates a slower Bitcoin and it also uh, makes it more costly uh, to basically participate in the market. That's why a lot of skeptics believe that Bitcoin is not going to be the coin of the, the global currency of the future. And we're kind of looking and, and looking around for potential other uh, players in the cryptocurrency field right now. One of the possible solutions would be to fork purposely fork Bitcoin blockchain. So uh, when if we purposely forked it, it would basically allow uh, the verification method to remain intact while also enhancing the speed by shortening the blockchain and the mathematical computations that would be required to support it. And with that, um, I'd like to thank you guys. And uh, I believe uh, someone wanted to uh, mention the training offer, uh, the training provided by PECB. Thank you, Kenneth, for this very informative webinar. I want to inform you that PCB is working on a detail-oriented blockchain training and that we will inform you soon for its availability. Now we'll take some, some time to answer some of the questions from your attendees. Uh, the first question is, on what conditions blockchain integrity can be compromised and how is it different from hashtags? Um, uh, so blockchain can be compromised um, basically when people edit the hashes, as I was saying. So within the hashes, so you can view the hashes sort of a fingerprint, right? So once, once a block with a sender, receiver, and amount of coins is kind of agreed upon, um, a hash is created that basically locks that information into place. Um, so the way you would compromise that uh, would be to change uh, the hash value to basically increase the amount of coins that were sent in a transaction or something similar to that. The only problem with doing that right now is that would come, as I showed in that one example with the ABC, that would completely change the hash output. And basically each block uh, references the previous block's hash. And then you would basically, as I said, fork the blockchain. So that's a vulnerability within blockchain, but it's also one of the best security features since um, long chain validation 
uh, once a hash, uh, what long chain validation does is go through each of the hashes and make sure they all match. And then when it would run across the one that was edited, it would essentially spit it out because it just wouldn't add up and it couldn't validate it on the long chain. And then basically that you would end up with the malicious blockchain, which is you and one other transaction. And it would be completely separate from the original blockchain that was tampered with. However, one of the biggest security concerns with that is if people don't validate blockchains, so with your two-person blockchain, if you basically called someone and said, hey, why don't you invest in my blockchain or let's do a transaction on my blockchain, if they don't actually do the work to make sure that the, the blockchain they're, they're working with has a, um, a sizable number, so like 100,000 on a Bitcoin blockchain, I would feel comfortable doing a transaction with that because that's been long chain that's been long chain validated for 100,000. But definitely, I think everyone wouldn't want to deal with it if it was just a two chain uh, blockchain because it's obviously likely a very malicious situation and, and there's something weird going on. Thank you, Kenneth. Now, another question is, what happens if something is added after the hash and the previous hash is modified? Would the net block uh, also be invalid? Yeah, so so let's say we have three blocks. So we have the original block, uh, a middle block, and then a block after it. So let's say a malicious actor wants to uh, edit the hash on the middle block, right? So if we if we uh, edit the hash on the middle block, uh, what will happen is uh, it will fork at that point. So the first block, since it it's validated based on the previous block, will remain on the the main blockchain, and then the two blocks after that where basically it, the hash was changed and basically doesn't compute any longer, will separate into the malicious uh, blockchain or the fork will occur. And I mean, there's some benefits to doing a fork as we, a lot of people are thinking, I know Bitcoin already has a couple companies that basically purposely forked blockchain or Bitcoin because of its validation benefits and are trying to start new uh, currencies that way. And so, uh, basically, it, it it does the previous block. So, if you cut, if you do the one in the middle of three blocks, the left one will stay okay. It will stay on the long chain since it's validated off the the previous block. But the the two after that would would basically be forked and removed from the chain. Thank you, Kenneth. Now another question is, what are the differences between private and public blockchain for companies? Um. So. A public blockchain is going to require a lot more security. So we're going to be using um, SHA, we're going to be using the hash functions, and uh, as you see with uh, Bitcoin and other, it doesn't always have to be a currency, but right now most of the public ones are currencies. Um, the processing time takes a lot longer, so you got to get the nonce values, you got to ensure that all of those are unique. The larger your blockchain gets, the longer it's going to take. Right now, Bitcoin takes a very long time compared to others to create their nonce value, which is what's taking up all the computing power. Um, but within a private uh, blockchain, you have some uh, you have some benefits. So, like for um, uh, software change uh, tracking or other things like that, you don't have to actually worry about so much about the security since the benefit is the the open ledger. So, I would say within the Within the public space, you got to focus a lot more on security. And within the private space, 
Uh, instead, you got to um, look at uh, just directly, you, if you're using it in a private space, you're not going to need so much security, but you're probably going to want to use the open ledger functions to track who's doing what on a system or within the blockchain for whatever you're using it for. Thank you, Kenneth. Now, because of the time limitation, we will only answer one more question, and the rest of the questions will be answered uh, through email. Uh, the last question is, NSA announced uh, that they track every BDC user worldwide. Do you think that uh, will reduce interest in it? Uh, they announced they track every what? Uh, BBC? BTC, uh, Bitcoin user worldwide. Um, so the problem with that is it's it's kind of not possible, I don't think, because I would have to look more into it specifically, but the, the way uh, Bitcoin works and blockchain works um, is it, it's secure. So they would have to reverse engineer your hash, which would be your private key. So sure, they can probably transact, uh, they can probably trace within the exchanges um, where transactions are occurring. But as, as I said, part of the, one of the key benefits of blockchain is that it has that hash, the SHA-256, that takes a billion years to reverse engineer, right? So if you have your uh, private key, and it, and it is in fact private, you can't share that, you gotta keep your passphrase completely private. I don't really see how they could do that um, without some sort of uh, backdoor, which I, I really don't think that would be a good way to go because obviously there's competing uh, crypto uh, currencies. So if one basically becomes less secure and not anonymous anymore, people are unfortunately just going to go to the one that's also growing. I mean, the top 10 uh, crypto exchanges right now are, I mean, you have Bitcoin way on top, but you have about nine options under that that you can look at. And I think eventually they're going to be more efficient than, than Bitcoin. So it's, it's interesting. I'll definitely look into it. But I think the way a blockchain is set up if it's set up properly, kind of pre prevents that sort of, they might be able to track it through the exchange, um, through exchange generated data, but I don't think they can track your um, public private key since it's all hidden behind a hash. Uh, thank you, Kenneth, again, for this great insight on blockchain and thank you everyone for attending today's webinar. I would like to let you know that this webinar will be recorded and posted on our website along with the slides of the presentation. For more information, please visit our website, www.pcb.com. Thank you all, and have a great day.